Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring me. Who are you? And this is episode, can you believe it? The nice round number of 126. Okay, maybe it's not that round in number. Maybe of what shape would you call that number if not a round number? I don't know. Maybe it's like a trapezoid or a rhombus? Yes. Or maybe an oval? Maybe it's closer to round than not round. Trapezoid. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a nice, a nice trapezoidal number, number one twenty six. Can't believe we've been doing it so long, and everybody's gotten to know you a little bit growing up on the show. The last, uh, you know, probably about year and a half, we've been doing it in a while, haven't we? Oh yeah. So one of the great things about this show is we've learned more and more about podcasting. Is people enjoy the interviews, and what I have learned from our listeners in regards to this particular show is they like hearing from you a whole lot more than they like hearing uh, from or about me. You are the star and carry the serious weight. So I asked you what sort of stuff you wanted to talk about in the intro for this week's episode. And what was your answer? About the tragic story of what happened to my cat. Your cat's right here. What tragically happened to him? Okay. So, so a little information. Me and my mom and my dad. Every single time that we, that we take a shower or a bath, he is always there watching you, which is very sus. Anyways, <laughs> so I was, uh, so, uh, so I was running the water and my mom told me to feed the cat, so I went. And then I heard something scream from my mom. So I ran to the bathroom and the cat, was in the bathtub. Did and mom, and did, the bathtub, yes, it what it did have water. Yeah, more than a little bit. It had a couple. It had two or three inches of water in it, yes. didn't it? He got wet. Did mommy put him in the water? No, he jumped up onto the ledge and he went in the bathtub. He did it on purpose, didn't he? He loves water. Mommy told me that he put in both of his front two paws. I think kind of at the same time. Then just sort of stood there, kind of surprised at what he was doing. And I don't know if it was because he didn't know how else to get out or if he decided to be brave, but he ended up putting one of his back paws in. But then oh, even no. before his fourth paw, with oh, his no. final paw was in, what did he do? He, he probably jumped. Out. Yeah, somehow he managed to jump back out without even getting that fourth paw wet. He decided that he had had enough of that. Now, he doesn't actually stare at me all sus-like when, uh, when I am taking care of my hygiene mm-hmm. needs, but he does like to watch me... Uh, Turn when he knows I'm going to take a shower, he comes running in there, perches up on that ledge on the bathtub, and he uh watches me turn the handle and then watches the water come out. I think he's trying to figure out how he might be able to operate and get fresh water on his own. 
And he's clearly very interested. He's only got like a walnut-sized brain at most or whatever's in there. So I'm not sure he's ultimately going to be doing it, and he might not because he doesn't have an opposable thumb, might not be able to manage it or manage it easily, and certainly not with any degree of real temperature control. But I think someday we're going to come home from somewhere and find the water on. Yes. And it's going to be because he did it. (laughs) What is this cat's name? His name is Daniel, and he's a doggy in disguise. He really is. He really is a dog. He's incredibly social, but he's not crazy about being held. He just always wants to be around. I am holding. What well, loves loves to be petted, touched in general, but not held. He, so he and he knows tricks. Oh, really? What kind of tricks? I taught him how to sit. I taught him how to if he's sitting, and I taught him how to stand up. Uh, I taught him how to follow finger. I taught him how to stay. I taught him how to jump. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I think the two of you should have your own uh, uh, like a podcast, but a visual podcast on YouTube. You think you can get him to perform these tricks for the camera? Yes. That's awesome. So get ready for a uh, person new. What would the name of the show be? Person noob and dog in disguise. Dog in disguise. Dog okay. in disguise. Fair enough. Wow. Well, I hope it makes I hope it makes some money because this show doesn't make any money because we don't have any sponsors, do we? Subway. Subway does not sponsor the show. We will sponsor Subway. Why do we sponsor Subway? Because it's amazing. Yeah, that's got and so I much ate. sugar in the bread they can't even call it bread according to the Irish version of the FDA. Don't tell them that. I just did tell them that, but we do have a Subway cup right here because we did have some Subway earlier, didn't we? Yes. Mm. Avocado. Subway drink. Uh, watered down Drink pop through the, from the melted ice. Drink fresh. That's sad. That's fair enough. All right. Well, good to know what's going on in your life and your crazy and creative mind. Shall we tell them what's in store for the soccer? Yeah. All right. Well, on this show, just in case you're new, um, we take a look at the 10 best, most intriguing matches from all around the world and give you little like five, six minute mini previews for each of them. So we don't end up knowing a lot about any one place, but we learn a little bit about everything. We truly are soccer noobs. We haven't been following the sport more than a couple of years or so, but we're trying to learn, well, the game across the entire planet all at once. This particular week, we are going to be doing matches from Friday the 10th of March through Thursday the 16th. That's the way our soccer week always runs. Anything else you'd like to tell the people? No. All right. Well, let's dive right in then with... Match number one! Now, we, of course, Person Noob cover not just matches from America, but all over the world, right? Yeah. But with the start of the new Major League Soccer season, with Noob being in our name, it is, of course, our hope that new or burgeoning fans of the American and world game will be finding our show, correct as well? Yes. So you're here to help us by making baked goods. No. No, you're here to help us by... Asking the questions that we hope that you, the listener, are asking, especially if you're new to the game, about any one particular match we're going to be talking about. You're here to help us learn the style or format in which we do the mini previews. So our first match, Person Noob, is a Saturday match, match number one, as you conveniently said. What is the first question? What league are we talking about? Match number one is going to be a match from Major League Soccer. Why do we care? (laughs) Why do we care? Okay. uh, Oh, you mean the stakes? Well, the top nine teams this year, which is different from last year. Last year, it was only seven. 
This year, the top nine from each of the two conferences will make the playoffs. The top seven will get buys. The uh, eighth and ninth place team, they will have to play a playoff match, basically, to get into the real playoffs. And then beyond that, the top uh, three or four teams, I believe it's three from the Major League Soccer regular season, will get to play in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. All right. Who's calling, please? Who's cup? Oh, what teams are playing? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Well, the matchup we're going to look at is a regional rivalry, a new one between currently number 14 in the East, Charlotte, versus number four in the East, Atlanta United. And it's a, a very young series because Charlotte is a very, very young team. This is only their second year of existence. All right. Who's been better? Well, they've only played twice, both games, of course, last year, because the MLS season this year is just getting started, and they each won one of the two games last year. All right. When and where can I bear witness to this majestic spectacle? <laughs> Why? Oh, noon on Fox. Uh, and if you have, uh, and this is where you can catch most Major League Soccer games, on <clears throat> if you have the uh, Apple Pass MLS plus package, basically. But this one, they have sold off in part, so you can catch it on Fox. All right. Tell me about where the team is from, Geography Nerd. Okay, well, we're going to talk about the home team first, and I, I should probably be offended that you're calling me a Geography Nerd, but, you know, so be it. Actually, for the American matches, we're not going to get too much into the geography. That's more so that we can learn about uh, the area where a team is from and where the match is being played. But that'll be more useful when we're talking about teams that are from foreign countries with which uh, Westerners may not be too familiar. So Charlotte should be something that everybody's familiar with because, you know, it's here. It's in North Carolina. All right. Tell me about gen- tell me about general stuff about the club. General stuff about the club? Okay. Well, they were officially founded just three years ago. As I mentioned, uh, last year was their first official season. They've actually been trying to get a team into the league since 1994. There's a lot of soccer history in this market from past leagues. Uh, Their nickname or one of their nicknames is The Crown. And interestingly, I didn't know this. They're actually owned by the same guy who owns the Carolina Panthers of the NFL. And in fact, they even play in the same stadium. And I know everybody likes to see soccer-specific stadiums, but I think this one worked out pretty well in year one. All right. Tell me about domestic titles they've won. How they've done internationally and last year. All right. This is a little bit more useful part of our uh, kind of mini preview format when we're talking about teams that have been in existence a little bit larger or longer rather than Charlotte. So they uh, didn't win the title last year. They haven't played internationally. You'll hear more about that with other teams that are longer established. What I can tell you is that last year they finished in ninth place in the East, six points behind Orlando City for that final playoff spot. So they sort of almost made it, but were a couple of wins shy. Uh, The defense was a little bit above average. The offense was a little bit below average. That's not uncommon for an expansion team. They usually tend to uh, go a little defensive. You can get better on defense more quickly in this, and I think in most sports, really. All right, give me a key player or two to watch for. All right, well, we don't know really who's going to stand out on this team yet for certain, but I can tell you that the best so far in their first couple of matches this year has been someone named Ashley Westwood. He is from England and plays central midfielder for them. He's a bit of a veteran. He's got a nice little resume. Uh, Burnley and Aston Villa are two clubs that he has played for in the past. 
both over in England. I think Burnley was probably in the Premier League and Aston Villa at the time was probably in the second division championship over in England. He is their uh, designated player. Every team has something like three designated players in Major League Soccer that they can kind of ignore the salary cap rules and give a whole bunch more money to. So these are their best players. And they got this guy to help out on offense because he is a master when it comes to set pieces and he's very, very accurate on his long passes. So hopefully that will help jumpstart their offense. All right, what is their current form? All right, well, this year they're not off to a great start. They've only played twice and they've lost both. They lost, uh, I believe both were on the road. I know they've lost to uh, New England and to uh, an even newer team in their first season that's 2-0 and so far, St. Louis City, and they lost to them 1-3. All right, so that is the format for what we do now. Listen to it in action uh, without the person noob questions and see what you think. We'll talk about Atlanta. They were founded in 2014. They've won the title one time. That was in 2018. But they've actually been to the CONCACAF Champions League, qualified for that three different times. And that is the best teams from all of the teams in CONCACAF, our region, which is North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Last year, they were seriously bitten early and often by the bad injury bug. So they only ended up finishing in 11th place in the conference, actually two points behind Charlotte. It really ended up biting them on defense. I know they lost their starting goalkeeper very early on and maybe even their backup as well. They were giving up uh, over a goal and a half per match. The offense was only average, just wasn't enough to make the playoffs. Last year, and still with the team, tied for number seven in assists with a dozen was Tiago Almada from Argentina. Their attacking midfielder, just 21 years old. One wonders how long he'll be here with this team. In the past, before he made a move here, probably because he knew he'd get loaned out and wanted to control where he would be. Uh, teams like Manchester United and Liverpool have been interested in him before and probably will continue to be. He's been their best player overall on the year. He already has two goals and an assist in two games. A key addition for them as far as players to look for, Georgios Giacoumakis from Greece. He plays center forward for them. He's a designated player that they picked up from Celtic, one of the two great teams over in Scotland. He's sort of here more or less to replace the goal scoring of their former star, Yosef uh, Martinez, who had a lot of injury trouble the last year or two, and he is now picked up with Inter-Miami. Team's current form, they are 1-1-0 and on the year. They haven't faced the toughest schedule so far. They beat San Jose 2-1, and then they drew against Toronto 1-1. I believe both were home matches. Match number B. That's right, number B. Replace that nasty bathroom talk phrase. Out of, you know, just get it out of your life. Number two, yuck. Be much more polite and couth. Listen to it in action right now. See what you think. Match number B is a number set, another Saturday match. Right here from stateside, but this time we slip down to the second division, the USL Championship, where the top eight teams from each of the two conferences, West and East, will be going to the playoffs. Last year, only the top seven got to go, so just a little bit of an expansion there. I think it makes more sense bracket-wise. Chosen this match much the same way that we chose the first one. We went East with the MLS match. This time we're going West. And taking a look at host El Paso Locomotive, who barely missed out on the playoffs last year. They'll be playing host to Sacramento FC. You can catch this one on ESPN Plus at 9.30 in the evening Eastern time. In their brief series, El Paso have easily had the best of it, accruing a 5-0-1 record. 
It's a very young club, but probably not a lot younger than most of the teams in the championship. They were founded in 2018. They play at the same place that the AAA Pacific Coast League Baseball Chihuahuas play, Southwest University Park. Nothing wrong with locomotive, but really, I think we could have recycled Chihuahuas. I wouldn't have had a big problem with that. Wouldn't have found it overly unoriginal. Chihuahuas, love it. The park, by the way, holds about 7,500 people, give you a little bit of perspective compared to maybe some MLS stadiums that you might be more familiar with. Their best season was two years ago, 2021. They finished second best overall in the West. And back when each of the two conferences uh, was divided into divisions, they won the Mountain Division that year. Last year, as I mentioned, they just barely missed up missed out on the playoffs, finishing in eighth place. In fact, it was really close. They were tied on points in the table with number seven, Oakland Roots. But whatever the tiebreaker was, either head-to-head or goal differential, they just barely missed out. There was goal differential. It was only by one. Can you even imagine? Uh, The defense last year was uh, average for the conference. The offense is where their bread was butter. They got one and two-thirds goals per match. Overall, the goal differential was in eighth. They finished really where they should have. Tied for top five in league scoring last year, and still with them this year, is Luis Solignac from Argentina, forward, who, yes, MLS fans, same guy, Colorado, Chicago. He played for both of those franchises between 2015 and 18. And then last year, uh, key to their decent defense, and actually uh, was one of the best ones in the league for clean sheets. It was goalkeeper Evan Newton, who's now 34 years old, and I believe he's unsigned. I I suspect they've gone with a, a much younger player this time around. Hopefully Evan will be catching on with the team, whether it be in America or anywhere else sometime soon. One of the key additions for them this year, and we'll be uh, honing in on this with a lot of teams here in America as the season is young, Mark Navarro, a defender, I believe is American, but take that with a grain of salt. I know that he has played for both Espanol, which uh, right now is in La Liga, the top flight over in Spain, and Watford over in uh, the championship this year. When he played for them, they might have actually still been in the Premier League. So he brings a lot of experience. The real key is, and I assume it was due to injury, don't know for sure, he didn't play anywhere last season. And he's just 27 years old, so plenty of time for him to still recover. But when it's been that long since you've really been on the field proper, you know, it could take a little bit for him to get back up to game speed. And then your visitors, Sacramento Republic. They are known as the Quails. Hey, I love an interesting and unique crest. I don't know why they've gone with the Quails, don't have a problem with it. Um, it is slightly strange to me that they have a bear on the crest. Yes, I know it's the, you know, it's on the state flag. It's the official state animal, but then be the bears. Why not put a quail on there or a, a bear and a quail, you know, having tea. I don't know. That would be a, yeah, that would be a good crest. I'm not going to lie. Club was founded in 2012. This city actually was awarded an MLS expansion bid in 2019, But, and I think this has to do with uh, the stadium they're building or trying to build in an old uh, brownfield area, I want to say, that expansion bid has been put on indefinite hiatus. So presumably in the, and hopefully somewhat near future, as MLS keeps expanding, Sacramento will get to make a move up. And yes, if you followed the game at all last year, even casually, you were probably familiar with the fact that in the U.S. Open Cup, which is our version of an FA Cup here in the U.S., an FA Cup being a bracketed knockout tournament usually featuring teams from lots of different levels from around the country. They finished in second place, eventually, I believe, losing to 
Orlando, one of the Major League Soccer franchises, of course. In their very first year in existence, 2014, they actually won the league. That was the best they've ever done. They won the Western Conference in 2016 as well. Last year, they had the number one average home attendance, by the way. They were the only team that was getting over 10,000 tickets sold per match. If that's not going to get them into MLS eventually, I don't know what would. I have a feeling that's better than some of the MLS teams in some parts of the country that are still kind of learning the game right now. Uh, Last year, they finished in fourth place in the West, so they were in the playoffs, made it all the way to the conference semifinals. Was definitely not due to their offense. They were one of the worst in the West in that regard. But they had a top two defense, only giving up one goal on average. And truth be told, when it came to the offense, things were tight enough across the division. uh, They really weren't that far behind. They finished with the second best overall goal differential. So they were an excellent team and probably remain a very good team. On the assist leaderboard for them last year and still with the team, uh, veteran Mexican midfielder Rodrigo Lopez. He had eight, probably their best player. Uh, He's played for Veracruz over in Liga MX, the top flight in Mexico, as well as MLS clubs Orlando and Seattle in the past. Key addition they made this year was uh, a guy who, unlike uh, his counterpart, the key addition from the other team, I don't think he has any real overseas experience, but it's American Russell Cicerone, who they got from Pittsburgh Riverhounds, a perennially pretty good darn good team in the ULS USL Championship East. In his two seasons there, he had 29 goals and 14 assists. So this is going to be a whale of a matchup. Match number three. All right, so that takes care of our top two American leagues. Now let's go abroad, the other side of the pond to Europe, specifically the top flight in the Czech Republic called the First League. This is the 15th ranked league in all of Europe. And so what is at stake? Well, they get their winner into the Champions League, second qualifying round. They don't get to start in the event proper. And then two teams will go to the third best tournament over there, the Europa Conference League. And they will also have to start in the second of three qualifying rounds. They are ranked about as highly as you can go in Europe collectively as a league and not be sending two teams to the Champions League. So if they manage to get just a little bit better, they'll get to send two teams instead of one. And the reason that... uh, Now, we always look for uh, top two matchups or really important, uh, they don't have to be top two, they can be close to top two, but as seasons get nearer and nearer the end, we might look at teams that are in the top three or the top four, but we're always looking for those dramatic stakes. But one of the reasons that I enjoy covering this league in particular, the Czech Republic, is because what do we know about the Czech Republic, person noob? Whatever you know about it. (laughs) Oh, you don't remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Uh, We're pretty sure that if we're talking about Grandpa Dave, that we have family ancestry or lineage from the Czech Republic and Slovakia. And I'm pretty sure it's in the Czech Republic specifically. So we kind of have an interest in uh, how the league goes over here in general. The matchup we're going to look up is a classic top two matchup. Number one, Slavia Prague taking on number B. How would you pronounce this one? Victoria? Victoria. Yeah. And what about the word after that? Pizan. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's an L, not an I, believe it or not. They need to buy a vowel. 
P-L-Z-E-N. Yeah, it's actually pronounced Peelzen, it turned out. I didn't know that uh, until I first started covering uh, football. Quick look at the table. Slavia Prague are at 50 points. Peelzen are at 49. And then Sparta Prague, one of the usual historical powers, is at 48. This is a three-horse race. Nobody else is going to come close. Slavia Prague have been a little bit better, a little bit longer than Peelzen, who have come on in more recent years. Uh, Slavia, they've accrued a 14-5 and 10 record in recent seasons, but it was Peelzen that won earlier this season. What was the score, Brissa Noob? 3-0. Oh, they whooped them, Peelzen. You know why I like Victoria Peelzen? <laughs> because there's a type of beer called a Pilsner, which we, we spell differently here in America, but it is a kind of beer that for all intents and purposes was invented or first became famous by being brewed in this city, Peels in Pilsner. You, you can see where they're... Yeah, you can't have any, though. Okay. <laughs> Didn't have anywhere to go with that. Slavia Prague, let's talk about them first, as is our tradition as hosts. This was a club that was started in the late 1800s by medical students. But, person noob, it wasn't football that was the first love of these students. When they started the club, what sport were they involved most with? Cycling. Yeah. That's kind of a weird one to start with. At least I think so. Anyway, although it's very healthy, so I guess as med students, that's just what they wanted to work on. Uh, since the country has uh, split up with Slovakia and they've had their own league, this team has won seven titles. Until last year, they had actually won three straight. Internationally, uh, best they've ever done, I believe, was 2007-2008. They made the Champions League group stage. Usually they get about as far as the third qualifying round before they fizzle out. Overall, internationally, the 2021-22 Europa League, which is the second best international tournament. So just to review, Champions League, then Europa League, then Europa Conference League. In the Europa League last year, they made the quarterfinals, tied for the best they've ever done in any international tournament. This year, they finished in third place in the Europa Conference League group stage. So that ended their international season, but still not too shabby. They qualified for that one by finishing in second place in the league last year. This year, they've got the number one offense by a ton, almost three goals per match, and they've also got the number one defense to go with that. And yet here they are still being challenged by two different teams. Interesting. Key players to look for. Tied for second best in league scoring with 11 on the season is Mick Van Buren from the Netherlands. Plays right wing for them. And then in the top five in assists in the league with five is David uh, Jurassic, not Jurassic, uh, uh, probably Jurassic actually, come to think of it. He plays left back young man, just 22 years old. Also tied with him in the top five in that category is Peter uh, Sevchik, and he plays defensive midfielder. So they're getting offensive contributions from all over the field, part of the reason they're so good. Team's current form, they just had a 15-match unbeaten streak ended. Uh, they lost 1-0 at number 13, SK Dynamo Cheshki. Uh, <laughs> you want to take a stab at this name? <laughs> Budajovis. Yeah, that could be, although I suspect that the J is a Y sound in this part of the world, so it might be uh, Debeovis, or we don't even know. SK Dynamo over at the Czech Republic. <laughs> now let's talk about Victoria Pielsen. At least we've covered how to pronounce that one. Uh, they did something really cool, uh, just sort of a fun fact. 2017, uh, as part of a beer sponsorship, they had one of their dugouts rebuilt 
into the shape of an actual beer can. I think it would be pretty cool if they had little uh, drinking, you know, the bottles that uh, gerbils drink out of, the things that stick down. If they had those in the dugout all over the place and players could just look up, you know, sort of nibble at these giant pipe straws and and get Pilsner beer out of them. No. No? No. I think it'd be awesome. It might not make them play the game quite as well, but I still think it'd be good just the same. No. Six times they won the title in the country's independence, and they are now your reigning champions. All their titles, by the way, have been since 2010-2011. This year, they went to the uh, Champions League group stage, but they didn't win any of their matches once they got that far. But they were sort of what would be called a group of death. They were in there with Inter Milan, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich. That had to have been the toughest group in the entire event. Uh, once I, Then they dropped down to the Europa League and got into the round of 32. That was the best they've ever done. This year in league play, they've got the third best offense and the second best defense. They've actually only given up one more goal on the year than Slavia Prague. So effectively, they're equal there. Tied for second best in league scoring is key player Roman Kvet. He's netted 11 different times, plays central midfielder for them. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three. Onward and upward into Sunday, the day of the Lord, where we are going to get our gambling on. Appropriate? Perhaps not, but hey, here we are anyway. Match number four, let's get some frequent flyer miles built up and head off to the Premier League of Lebanon, which is the 22nd ranked league in all of Asia. So just a little bit better than average over there. They've been on the slow and steady rise in recent years. Here's what's at stake for this particular league. One team will get to go to the Asian Champions League qualifying playoff round so they don't get to start in the group stage in the event proper, but pretty darn close. Their runner-up will get to go to a tournament called the AFC Cup. That is a secondary tournament, and uh, it's a little bit like the Europa League, but not exactly. We'll get into those details when we cover a match actually from the Cup sometime. And then the third-place team will probably get to go to the AFC Cup as well. They'll be on what's called standby, so uh, when invariably a different team uh, that qualifies for it, can't get a license or decides not to go for economic reasons or what have you, the third place team from Lebanon will be one of those teams that can slide in. This is their very last match of the season. So the stakes are incredibly high. Two of the three teams are playing one another, number B, Al-Ansar, and they are taking on number one, Al-Ahed, A-H-E-D. Hoping I'm getting the pronunciation right that Right there. Uh, quick glance at the table tells us just how dramatic things are ahead. They are at 33 points of the table, and SAR are at 32. And then another team, Al Nejma, they are at 31. So while Al Nejma, you know, they're going to need some help probably. If either of these two teams win, then they're not going to be going to the AFC Champions League. But if they end in a draw, they've got a really good chance of slipping all the way up to first because Nejma will be playing the sixth place team here in the championship round that league divided in half a little while ago. A team called Shabab Al Ghaziya. They have been ghastly here in the championship round, and Nejma will probably crush them. 
So their Champions League dreams are not dead. But that's not the match we're going to learn about here. Ansar versus All Head. And that's all I'm going to give you for this particular one. I said we were going to gamble. And where do we go to cheat when it comes to our gambling? Why? To in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old world-wandering diviner, Noob Stradamus, who usually helps us out with a drug-aided or drug-addled vision, uses his powers to touch the universal infinite or whatever it is he does when he smokes his lotus leaf and takes his uh, expired prescription pills that we send him as part of our deal, gives us a vision so we know how to make some quid on this. Please take it away, almighty soothsayer. Greetings from Berlin. You're asking for a score divination from Lebanon has me waxing nostalgic for some of my earliest days of world wandering. Council giving and general awesomeness. An archaeological museum here holds the lion's share of the Amarna letters, which I blessedly had a hand in. These clay stone tablets point to one of my earliest diplomatic successes, stopping multiple wars and maybe the destruction of even Egyptian ancient history as you know it. You're welcome, mortals. More than 3,000 years ago, the Hittites were raping, pillaging, and looting, you know, playing all the hits, in both the Egyptian realm and places like Mitanni alike. Modern-day Lebanon, Mitanni's king, Tushrata, dowried his daughter, Tadukepa, to Amenhotep III so that their land's fates would be tied together and could help each other against those demonically naughty Hittites. But the blasted fool gave her away on credit. Promises of not just solid gold statues were made, but of lapis lazuli and gold coins. But little came. Statues only of plated gold, and little of the other treasure was sent. Yet, still, to preserve the peace between them, he even later let his girl marry the pharaoh's son, Akhenaten. Tushrata finally became furious enough to let their peace be damned, attack the Egyptians, and risk the Hittites alone. Thankfully, I had come on the scene, probably putting things in perspective for the king, bird in hand and all that. I coaxed him into sending the politest of communiques, requesting the treasures instead. Were they ever sent? No idea. But the war never came to pass between them. They stood firm against the Hittites, and history unfolded as you know it. Not all heroes wear capes, people. I prefer my holy robes. Noob. Al-Ansar means the supporters. Al-Ahed means the covenant. Passing my enlightened gaze over the clay tablets, I sense sadness for the broken covenant that nearly led to war, which I averted. Al-Ansar beats the team of the covenant. One to zero this day. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number five. 
That wrapped up our weekend. Now on to the weekdays. Normally you get Monday off after a tough weekend of tracking, but not so this time. No rest for the soccer weary. Hey, we're having too much fun. Monday match number five, we're headed off to Scotland for our weekly dose of minnow watching. What that refers to is this. It refers to FA Cup tournaments. For those who are brand new, usually played right alongside the leagues chronologically, same part of the calendar year. There is a separate tournament going on in most every country in the world called the FA Cup or Football Association Cup. It is a bracketed knockout tournament, and the bigger the soccer is in the country, the more teams from further down the soccer pyramid, like you'll get all the way into the 10th level of amateur teams when you're talking about uh, Great Britain, for example, or England, I suppose I should say. And then the fun is to watch how these teams from the lower levels do. They have to start early in the tournament, work their way up, beating up on one another. And then occasionally you'll get some that'll make really deep runs and do some giant killing, beat some teams that are much better than them. Now, the place or tournament where this is most traditionally done and called this is England's FA Cup. But Scotland's FA Cup is pretty nice, too. They have teams all the way down to the sixth level that have been participating. Here in the quarterfinals, we have two teams that are left from the third and second tiers, respectively. We actually talked about the first one a few weeks ago because they were playing a team from down at the sixth level called Darvell, and they beat them. So we say hello and get reacquainted once again with Falkirk. They won the coin flip or whatever they do to determine the random draw. They get to play host in this round to Air United. That is A-Y-R out of the second division, the Scottish Championship. So, person, I thought I would get your help on this because we're minnow watching. And, uh, you know, that involves wanting, you know, little people or littler teams, quote unquote, to do great things. And you are a little kid. No. Oh, are you? You're an old kid? Yeah. You, but you're still going to be called Person Noob, right? Yeah. Why do we get to keep your name Person Noob forever and ever? Branding. Branding. That's correct. <laughs> All right. Well, I think you'll like this first team. At least I hope you will. Falkirk. Uh, it's a town. It's not only the club. It's the name of a town. About 35,000 people in the south central part of the country. The name is really cool. Kirk, by the way. Anytime you see this in the name of a town in your whole life, person, mm-hmm. it means church. It was probably built around a church. So what does the name Falkirk mean? Speckled church. Speckled. Yeah, the church, as it was built, uh, when it was being built, they used stones of lots and lots and lots of different colors. They didn't. They may have all been one type of rock, but there was a lot of uh, variation in the types of colors they use. So it made for a very unique church. And then historically, this area is also famous for being sort of the cradle of the Industrial Revolution, one of the first areas in the whole world to be considered what we call industrialized. There was some coal mining, I think, going on, but definitely the big thing was iron casting. All right. And now about the club proper, uh, their nickname, they are called the Bairns, B-A-I-R-N-S, which is a Scottish word. And what does it mean in English, person new? Kids. Does that sound like a team worth rooting for? Yeah. Because you're a kid, right? Yeah. Just not a little kid. Yeah. How old are you now? Uh, I'm almost 11. 
Oh, that's right. Oh, you've got a birthday coming up. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> uh, Falkirk Stadium, just to give you a little perspective, seats almost 8,000 people. I think that's probably pretty big for this level. The league they play in, as I mentioned, is a Tier 3 league. They are called League 1, just like in England. And when they played that Division 6 team last round, Darvell, they really whopped them 1-5. to five. But the competition, uh, now this time Falkirk are going to be the underdogs, even at home. Uh, now, this team has not always been way down in the third division. Two different times last century, uh, way back last century, they were in the top flight and they finished runner-up in the league. But we're talking like a full hundred years ago or so. Two different times they have won the second division, uh, or seven different times, rather. The most recent one was 2004-2005. So this is probably about as far down as they ever go. A pretty good team for a Tier 3 team. They've won this event two different times, but it's been a minute, something like uh, 65, 70 years since the last time. I know it was in the 1950s. And uh, three times they finished in second place, uh, much more recently, the last one, 2015 in this event. Internationally, 2009, 2010, they got to play in the Europa League. In the second qualifying round, they actually won a match probably because of the, the team they got to play was from a microstate. FC Vadu is the best team out of Liechtenstein. Currently in their league, they're in second place, so they're really in a strong position to move up a league next year. They've got the number one offense in the league. They've also got a top two defense, but it's really not that great. They're way behind the top team in that league in that regard. If they're going to win this game, they're going to have to score some goals. Helping them along those lines, number four in league scoring, their key player is Callum Morrison, plays winger for him. Uh, until 2020, when he came over here, he was nearly always at least owned by contractually hard of Midlothian, though I think he got loaned out quite a bit. And this year, he was January's league player of the match, so he will be the one to watch. And now, Air United, they have a cool nickname. They are known as the Honest Men, we've covered them before as well, uh, which is uh, part of a line from a Robert Burns poem called Tom O'Shanter. Now, I asked Person Noob last week to memorize that poem, so here she is to recite entirely in the original Scottish language, I give you Person Noob. Person Noob, I am Person Noob. <laughs> person yeah. Noob, I am Person Noob. Yeah, Soccer but Noob, it's not his show anymore. It's just mine. My show. Now, this is a great song, but aren't you going to tell, aren't you going to perform for us the Scottish poem Tom O'Shanter by, did I forget to tell you to do this? Uh, oh, oh, no, definitely. No, no, I remember you told me to do this. All right, here we go. The windowsill and the cup. The windowsill and the cup. The cup said hello. The windowsill said no. The cup was very mad. This the isn't, this isn't that poem, and this isn't Scottish. Yes, it is. But I'll tell you what, considering I just threw this nonsense at you, you're actually <laughs> ad-libbing pretty well. I commend you. Nice work. I'd like to say you take after me, but you're doing a much better job than I would. All right. Last round, they got to play a, a team from Division Four, Elgin City, and beat them 4-1. Uh, currently in league play. They are in third place. They've got the second best offense going, and their defense is nearly as good. They're a well-balanced team. I think they're going to be very tough here, even on the road. Number one league score in the league by a fair bit is they're supposed of, and that is Depot Akinyemi, an English center forward, who is also tied for fourth place in the league with six assists. Their current form, 1-1-1 one, one, one over their last three. 
Time for a recap of last week's matches. So chock full of horse meat goodness that the kiddies asked for it by name. Yeah, don't think about it. It doesn't mean anything. Match number one from last week was a Friday match from the Bundesliga in Germany. Number B, Dortmund played host to number four, RB Leipzig. Dortmund got the 2-1 win. No change in the table there. Saturday, match number B, Major League Soccer. Getting kicked off more or less. Number B at the moment in the East Inter Miami took on number one, Philadelphia. Miami got the 2-1 win. That moved them up to first place. Philadelphia down to seven. We'll see a lot of volatility, obviously, because it's so early in the season there. But we're still going to watch the table. Match number three from the big Premier League, England. Number B, Man City, played host to number five, Newcastle. The home side got the 2-0 win. Players we said to watch out for, Rodri and Holland, both had assists. Newcastle, that drops them down to number six, which is a big deal here in the, the last uh, portion of the season because the number five slot gets a Europa League for Number six slips down to the Europa Conference League. Match number four from Montenegro's first league, number B, Uchnist Podgorica. They got to take on visitors number one, Sukietska. They played to a 1-1 draw. No change in the table there. Sunday match number five for the Premier League of Burundi. Number one, Bumamaru played number B, Flambeau de Center. They too played to a 1-1 draw. No change in the table there either. Tuesday match number six from UEFA's Champions League. Second match of the home and away two-legged ties in the round of 16. Benfica versus Club Brugge. It was Benfica out of Portugal winning 5-1. And that was easily enough for them to win. They already had the lead. They uh, won the home and away overall by 7-1 on aggregate and will advance over the Belgians. Match number seven from the African version of the Champions League in their group stage. Number three, CR Beloizdad out of Algeria took on number B, Almerik from Sudan. The home side got the 1-0 win. The man we thought that would get the goal did so, Mohamed Islam Bakir. Uh, that moves uh, Beloizdad up to number B of the four teams in the table and knocks Marek down to number four. Match number eight from the Champions League here in CONCACAF. Round of 16, two-legged ties happening. Violette out of Haiti played Austin FC. And wow, just the shocker of, of all time in this region. Just about Violette, which I don't think they're league even played last year, ended up winning 3-0. Wow. Match number nine from Ethiopia's Premier League. Number B, St. George, took on number one Ethiopian Insurance. St. George got the win 2-1. You might be used to seeing their names, by the way. The follow world uh, football in uh, closer to the Latinized version of the uh, of a local language. Kitas Georges versus Ethiopia Medin. In any case, no change in the table there. Wednesday, match number 10 from the Copa Sudamericana, the secondary international club. First qualifying stage, University Cesar Vallejo took on uh, Binacional, both out of the Peruvian top flight, and it was Cesar Vallejo getting the win 3-1. And now with bonus matches with explanations to come a little bit later on, right of the week was a Friday match from the Saudi Premier League. Number 16, last place, Albatine played host to Ronaldo's new home, number one, Al Nasser, and they got the win 1-3. No goals for Ronaldo and no goals at all within the first 90 minutes for Al Nasser. They got them all in added extra time just just unbelievable. Your most meaningless match in the world. Saturday, we went back to the Premier League in England for number 11, Aston Villa, and number 12, Crystal Palace. Uh, Villa got the 1-0 win. No change in the table there. They remain as meaningless as they ever were. Existential crisis re-engaged. And finally, a match of disappointed from Sunday's. Uh, was from Sunday, rather, the Premier League in Lebanon, number 11. Second to last place, Salam Zakarta took on the only team worse than them on the year, Aka Al Ali Ali from Alay. Woof. 
they played appropriately to a nil-nil draw, although that one point was enough to take Zalam Zakarta actually up to number 10th, and I believe out of the relegation zone for the moment, so credit where it's due. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. We stay in Europe but head to the continent and move into Tuesday for match number six. The UEFA Champions League is our destination. They are in the round of 16 playing the second legs of the home and away two-legged ties. In other words, for newer fans, each of the two teams that are paired off against one another will play a home and away series, and whoever gets you know wins overall in the scoring is the one that will go forward. In the first leg between Porto from Portugal and Inter Milan from Italy, it was Inter Milan defending their home turf, getting a 1-0 win. You can catch the second leg at 4 o'clock in the afternoon here in the U.S., Eastern Time Zone. Paramount Plus, or if you prefer Spanish language uh, streaming, you can catch it on something called a VIX that I've recently been made aware of. Let's talk about Porto first. This is the second biggest city in the country. I first, years ago, when I first had heard of this team, assumed that it was Porto just as in uh, Portugal. But turns out there's an actual major metro area by that name. I am geography noob sometimes as well. It's on the northwest coast of the country. Uh, only about a quarter million people in the city proper. One in three quarters of a million in the overall metro. And oh, so delicious, especially for dessert, is the home of Port Wine. God bless them and the fine work they do. They are known as the Dragons, footy-wise, historically. They've actually won the Champions League title twice. Uh, last time, it's been nearly 20 years, 2003-2004. And yet, internationally, they are the most decorated team in all of the nation's history. Uh, 2020-21, they made the quarterfinal. Uh, that's really about the best that they've done in the last decade, as so much of the power goes to uh, the teams that are from the very best four or five leagues. The Portuguese League, yes, I was about to say it is ranked number seven as a guest, but I see it in my notes. Liga Portugal is what that is known as now. You've heard it previously as... Uh, Primeira Liga. Uh, they're down to number seven. They just got passed by the Netherlands in the European coefficients. In the group stage, their group of four, they had a very narrow contest. They won by one point in the standings over Club uh, Brugge, which also got to advance to this particular stage. In group play, they had the number one offense, getting two goals per match, and had a really good defense to go with that as well as you would expect. They're not a really high-scoring club uh, as far as the group stage goes, that got to move on. They will probably have to ramp up their scoring, even if they get by Inter Milan, if they're going to get much of any further. Tied for number five in event scoring for them is their Iranian star, Medhi Taremi. He plays striker for them. He's got five goals already in just uh, basically a handful of games here in the tournament. This is a guy with a lot of international experience as well. It's no surprise that he's their leader. Uh, he's played for the Iranian national team well over 60 times since 2015. And in fact, he's been the club's top scorer the last two years heading into this season. Still, I think it could be argued that their best or most valuable player might be Otavio. Uh, he is a Portuguese right midfielder, uh, really involved on the offense, four goals and five assists, but he doesn't have to be involved in that regard. He's a, also a really good dribbler, so he can be the guy that's finishing the attacks, setting up the attacks, or setting up the offense in general, and that is invaluable. Team's current form, well, they just beat league number 14 Chavez to snap a two-match losing streak. So they're just getting their form back. 
And now the Big Grass Snake, the fun nickname for Inter Milan coming down. They've won the Champions League title three different times. Last time was 2009, 2010. Uh, Really, over the last 10 years, it's a lot more typical for them to get to uh, the quarterfinals or maybe even the round of 16, but not any further than that. Also worth noting, internationally, 2019-20, they made it all the way to the Europa League, the secondary international tournament in Europe, final before losing, I believe, to Sevilla. They qualified for this year's event by finishing in second place last year in Italy's top league, Serie A, which, by the way, is ranked number four in all of Europe. In group stage play for this event, they finished in second place, eight points behind Bayern Munich from Germany, who were absolutely on fire going 6-0-0. This team was much more balanced. Their offense was really no great shakes. Their defense, they were only giving up a little bit better than one goal per match. Key player for them, tied for second best in their league scoring. They didn't have anybody on the event leaderboard with 14 goals so far. Lautaro Martinez, an Argentinian striker, who I have read is described as having a really elegant playing style, despite the the fact that he's not very tall. So I think he's got a very flowing pace, and I know he's a really good dribbler. But I think their best or most valuable player is probably Nicholas Barella, their central midfielder, which so often is the case for very, very good teams. You've got to really control the middle of the field. Five goals, six assists, and just like his counterpart from the other team, a really, really high dribble success rate. In fact, over 70%, which I rarely see at any level of football. Team's current form, uh, they are in fine fetters. Six, one, and one in their last eight. Match number seven. Wednesday brings us more Champions League action, but not Europe this time. We're headed back home to our region, the CONCACAF Champions League, where 16 teams are alive in the bracketed knockout tournament to determine the champions of our region, comprising North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Just like with the Champions League, by the way, the teams are going to be playing home and away two-legged ties to see who gets to go forward. And we are so excited and terrified. Uh, we've got a special returning guest for this preview, Mr. Beauregard Bluebonnet of Austin, Texas. Uh, he was known in his rodeo days, as we learned last year, as Brazos Bob. Uh, last season, we had him on to talk about his fight to get into the uh, Matthew McConaughey homage supporters club named Naked Bongos. For those who may be a little bit younger, Matthew McConaughey uh, was caught years ago high as a kite and uh, banging on his literal bongos uh, naked as a jaybird, and it's just sort of stuck with him to some degree. And he is a co-owner of Austin uh, FC, and so a lot of the people in the community were very excited to pay homage to him with this partic- in this particular way, playing bongos uh, on natural in the stands, which I'm a little bit surprised MLS allows, especially given their new contract with Apple. But that's another discussion for another time, maybe even on another show. I don't know. Not this one. No, we'll probably get to it. Anyway, his beloved Austin FC got paired against the lone Caribbean entrant, a team called Violette from the country of Haiti. They went to Haiti last week. Well, actually, the Dominican Republic is where they played it. And the wildly favored team from Austin got drubbed. Mr. Bluebonnet, please, your thoughts. Zero to three against what should be the weakest club in the tournament? How in tarnation does that happen? I don't think that Haitian league even played last year. 
Seeing that score makes me mad enough spit nails. And I almost literally can. I got so many plates and pins in from surgeries following my illustrious rodeo career. Why, that's why I couldn't reasonably travel to the first leg last week. I light up an airport metal detector like a pinball machine in a thunderstorm. But it turns out I wasn't the only one not traveling to that match, though. Austin left their stars at home in the Lone Star State. That Argentine Driussi who can score all them goals. And that new feller's artist who's been with our national team. And that real pale, pale feller ring. The midfielder from Finland. He ought to be named Casper. He's so white. Squad rotation, my tough took us. You take all your best to the Champions League. This week when them Caribs come to Austin, our boys better sack up like it's the Alamo. Bring all their guns. Play everybody. As for old Bob, you know, I'll be doing my part. They may make me sit in the bank, what with my hide so leathery you could mistake it for an overcooked T-bone from the world's oldest longhorn steer, but I'll be banging my bongos with everything I got. And I do mean everything. That raucous beat you're hearing now, I'm practicing naked bongos right now. <laughs> yeah! I'm not even playing with my hands, boy. Match number eight. And yet still more Champions League action, though in South America they call the club championship the Copa Libertadores. I like it from my note-taking because Champions League, Copa Libertadores, CL either way. Makes it easy. They are in the third qualifying round, second leg of the home and away, two-legged ties. There are eight teams alive in this particular stage. The four winners of the two-legged ties will join 28 qualifiers in the group stage for the beginning of the event proper. The losers of this round, uh, they will not be done with international play. They will drop down to their version of the Europa League, the secondary international club tournament in South America, the Copa Sudamericana. The matchup that we're going to look at looked most interesting after the first leg to me was Atletico Mineiro or Atletico MG, as we will call them. And they are uh, known colloquially as out of Brazil versus Milenarios out of Colombia. The first leg finished in a 1-1 tie. And so now the favorites, they get to uh, try to move on as they likely will there at home. By the way, you can catch this one on BN Sports or BN Sports in Espanol at 8.30 Eastern time in the U.S. Atlético MG, they play out of the city of Belo Horizonte, beautiful horizon. It's the third biggest metro area overall. I believe only the sixth biggest city proper in all of Brazil. Six million people strong. It's in the east-southeast part of the country, give you a little perspective. And it is such a gorgeous area. The name is not misplaced for them. It is a city that is built on hills that are surrounded entirely by mountains. Just gorgeous. And uh, not that it has anything to do with that, but a little trivia fact I found about this area, it is considered the unofficial sort of home for Brazilian heavy metal. <laughs> rock in America? Yeah, rock in Brazil. Maybe we'll have a little bit for you at the end. Maybe we won't. By the way, uh, this metro area, there's a lot of derbies here. It's also home to, amongst other clubs, I'm sure, two other top flight teams, uh, Cruzeiro and America MG. They've got a really cool nickname, and it is the singular, which I uh, am especially fond of. They are known as the Rooster. 
I don't have a punchline or anything else. I just enjoy it. They have won the domestic league title just two different times, most recently two years ago. They've won this event one time, 2013. The last couple of years have gone pretty well for them internationally as well. They have reached the semifinal and quarterfinal, respectively, the last two seasons. Uh, Serie A, by the way, the top flight in Brazil is the number one league in all of CONMEBOL. So your Brazilians are nearly always the favorites in any match they play. And instead of getting four berths like the vast majority of the countries, they actually get seven teams into this tournament. Uh, This particular team, Atletico, they qualified by finishing in seventh place and thusly getting the seventh berth out of that league last year. They are the best of the teams in South America that are entering at this particular stage. 13 teams are entering, and they are ranked number 11 in all of CONMEBOL. They advanced to this round by beating a Venezuelan side last time, Carabobo. Uh, The 2023 Serie A has not started yet. So to get a feel for the character of this team, let's take a look at their uh, 2022 statistics. Unlike a lot of the other South American leagues, they do not divide their league into or their season into two separate stages. This is all one big, long season. They weren't particularly strong on offense, to be honest. They weren't getting a lot of uh, offense, more than a goal per match, but they did have a top four defense, weren't quite allowing one goal per match. So expect them to try to control the pace in this one and to keep it somewhat low scoring. The scoring that they do get will likely come at the feet of he who is known as Hulk in his younger years. He was thought to have something of a likeness to actor Lou Ferrigno, the original Incredible Hulk. Personally, I don't see it, at least in his later years, although I think it's the beard, honestly, that throws me off. He was tied for number six in league scoring with a dozen last season, 36 years old, still with them. Interesting resume. He's got some European time in. Uh, He's been with Porto, uh, Zenit St. Petersburg in the uh, Russian Premier League, and most recently, SIPG Shanghai, which is now known as Shanghai Port. There was a lot of money up until the last couple of years being thrown around in Chinese football, but suddenly that is dropping off and a lot of the uh, Westerners are leaving. And then also from last year's league assist leaderboard with six was Juninho, a defensive midfielder, typically uh, another veteran, 35 years old. And now Milenarios, they play out of the capital city of uh, Bogota. They're in Colombia and are known as the ambassadors and a nickname that is still stuck around for them from, I believe back in the 1950s or sixties, based on a certain style of play, they were known as the blue ballet. I have a feeling some of those are so traditionally, I don't know, non-masculine for lack of a better way to put it, that the nickname ends up circling back around and being really extra cool once again. I love seeing stuff like that. They have had a lot of domestic success. They've won their domestic league title 15 times, though not since the latter part of 2017. 2018 was the last time they made a Copa Libertadores appearance. They got to the group stage, and that is the best they've done this century. They were a very excellent team in the latter part of the 20th century, but have fallen off just a little bit, if not quite entirely off the map. Uh, They also made the quarterfinals of this event a couple of times, but those were back in the 1990s. They are the number 57 ranked club in South America, and the league in Colombia is ranked number five in all of CONMEBOL. They are one of those leagues that receives just four berths. Uh, Officially, Millonarios got the last one by winning the 2022 Copa Colombia, the FA Cup down there, 
But truth be told, they're a lot better than that. They also won the 2022 Apertura regular season and finished number one overall uh, with the best aggregate record. I think they should have gotten to start in the group stage instead of having to play in this one, quite frankly. I don't understand their distribution down there. They advanced to this round over Ecuadorian side, Universidad Católica, 2-1 to one last round. Here in the 2023 season, uh, they're uh, just really getting going in the Apertura stage. They're currently only in seventh place, but they've only played four matches compared to most of the other league teams have already put in six or seven. Really, if you look at their statistics, they're easily a top three team right now and might be the best one. Offensively, uh, in terms of goals per game, they're in the top two. They're getting two per match, and they're in the top half of the league defensively. Goal differential, top three overall. Regardless, this is going to be an underdog under over uh, against, I should say, any Brazilian side. But they're still performing pretty well. Have a little bit of an advantage in that they're a little bit more informed, just in terms of that their league's. Their league has started and the Brazilian one hasn't. Best player that they've got going is an attacker homegrown named Juan Paraira to look out for. He's got a goal and an assist already on the season. Match number nine. We head into the last day of this show's Soccer Week Thursday with two matches of our main 10 to go. Headed to the Europa League this time. UEFA's secondary international club tournament, which is also in its round of 16. Second leg of the home and away two-legged ties. We do not know at the time that we scouted this what the score of the first leg was. It's because they play these so late in the week. But the most interesting-looking matchup overall coming into the round to us looked like Ferenc Svaras out of Hungary versus Bayer Leverkusen out of, of course, Germany's Bundesliga. So we're going to go there. Ferenc Varos, if you are the type of person who would go to Europe and hop on the Euro rail and look for all the hip, cool areas in major metros, you would surely get to this particular part of Budapest. It used to be a working class area, the 9th District, but now it is much more hip and cool. The residential there, it's also not overly expensive. It's low to kind of middle class, so a very popular area these days. The team are known as the Green Ingles, and they play out of the... NB1, which I will, as I never do, not bother to try to pronounce it. It's good enough that I have Ferenc Svaros. That is the only Hungarian I really care to try for the most part. It always bamboozles me. The league is a little bit better than average, ranked number 24 in all of Europe. This team, they are your current power, the four-time defending league champions. Internationally, 2020-21, they made the Champions League group stage. That is tied for the best they've ever done in that event. Uh, 1971-1972, they got all the way to the semifinals of what is now the Europa League. This year, they entered the Champions League, of course, as domestic champions of the NB1. But all the way back in the first qualifying round, uh, they ended up losing to Karabag, which is the powerhouse team out of Azerbaijan, in the third qualifying round, and that dropped them down to this event. To get an idea of what the team is like, let's look at them in league form. Well, they're dominating once again on their way to the crown. They lead by 14 right now. Uh, their metrics are so good that they've got the number one goal differential in the league by better than a factor of three. No one is challenging them there. Tied for second best in league scoring with 11 on the year is Adama Traore from Mali, plays left winger. He came over from a really interesting side, FC Sharif in Moldova, although uh, they there would say Transnistria, the breakaway republic, part of the reason that area is so interesting. 
Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last 12, though it's worth noting that their last four matches, the offense has kind of disappeared. Uh, just a goal differential of four and two with three draws over those last four. Coming to town, looking to take advantage, Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, their best finish ever in the Champions League. They were runners-up, made the final in 2001-2002. They won the now Europa League once, but uh, that was nigh on 35 years ago. Recently, uh, the round of 16, both in the Champions League or the Europa League, that's more their speed, about as far as they typically get. In the Bundesliga last year, they finished in third place. And by the way, that is the number three ranked league in Europe. So here's how their international season went this year. They finished numbered. They finished in third place in the group stage, which dropped them down to this event for the knockout playoff round. And so then they advanced to this round in this event by beating Monaco out of the French League One in a very tight match or pair of matches. They ended 5-5 on aggregate, had to beat them in penalty kicks 5-3 to advance. It's good that they're doing well there because their league season I don't think they're going to be anywhere international in the next year. They're in ninth place right now, two-thirds of the way through the German year, and the defense is barely average. They're giving up over one-and-a-half goals per game, and that's a lot even in the fairly high-scoring German top flight. The offense is a little bit better, and that is largely thanks to he who is on the scoring leaderboard with eight on the year, Moussa Diaby, their right winger, 23 years old out of France. He's also got four assists on the year. He will be moving on to a higher paying job, probably a Premier League team over the summer. Newcastle is the team that I've seen most linked with him over the last few weeks. But their best or perhaps most valuable player, I believe, is Jeremy Fringpong. They're right. He's officially listed as a right back on the defensive side. And as we said earlier, they're not doing that well on defense. Well, it's largely because they try to focus on their offense. This guy really plays all over the right side, all the way up to forward. Officially, the Dutchman lists as a right back. He's got six goals and five assists on the air. Does that, that sound like a classic defender to you? Probably not. But... Baron Svaros, a little bit of a reason to smile. Their luck might be in. He got injured recently and is not expected back for about a month. So who knows? They might be catching Leverkusen at just the right time. Still, this team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three. And yet it's worth noting, no clean sheets in their last six. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. And finally, we get to Person Noob's special segment. We'll tell you about that momentarily. But first, the match that we would be doing a uh, mini preview of here for number 10 is from the Europa Conference League, round of 16, leg two, the second match of the home and away two-legged tie. The one we would be probably talking about is Slovan Bratislava out of Slovakia versus uh, Basel out of Switzerland, who have kind of underperformed last year and this year to some degree and should be the favorites. We don't know how leg one went, and so that gives us the perfect opportunity to not give you a mini preview because now instead it's time for Aminals. Aminals, Aminals from around the world. Yeah. We haven't really decided on a melody, but we're getting closer, yes, we aren't have. we? Oh, we that, have? That I'm is, not sure we quite matched up. That is the theme song, and it's 
Well, we're like 99% there. Oh, yeah, definitely 99%. All right, so this is the time of show where we take a break from the soccer. We use the sport as a lens, an excuse, if you will, to learn something else about the world. Cute little aminals are near and dear to person noob's heart. What aminal are you here to tell us about this week that makes its home in this amongst other regions? The corn crate. That sounds like, did you say corn cake? Because that makes me hungry. No, corn cake. Normally we do a, uh, normally we do a culture break this time of show and do a recipe. Do you have a recipe for a corn cake? No. Do we eat them? No. No, why? Corn crakes are friends and oh, they're they endangered. And if you eat them, then you're mean. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's learn a little bit about the corn crake then. And uh, we'll leave out whether or not it's edible for another time. Uh, is this solely found in Slovakia or where can you really find it? No, Europe, Asia, and China. And it migrates to Africa during our winter. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. It goes to Africa, south of the equator, where it's a little bit warmer during our winter because there it's summer. That would stand to reason. What is it called in Latin? Uh, the crux crux. Which kind of sort of sounds like count corn crake in a very general sense. And why do they call it that? Um, Because it's like the emative of call. Oh, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Do you know the term automatopoeia from school yet? Yeah. Okay, well, that's what this is, basically. It's an imitator. So apparently, in fact, uh, in fact, uh, the management, if you could give us the call of the corn crake right now, that'd be super. Oh, that is a terribly, terribly grating noise. What can you tell us about that call? Um, it can be heard almost one mile away. Oh, yuck. I wouldn't want to hear that from one feet away. And when, when does it make it and how often does it make it? Um, early in breathing season. Also, you said one foot. No, you said one feet. Did I say one feet? You said one feet. I wouldn't want to hear one foot or one feet away. I don't want to hear it at all ever again. What a terrible noise. That's why I want to eat it. Um, and I see here in your notes that at uh, early in the breeding season, it makes that sound... 20,000 times a night. Did you say thousand? Yeah. That's amazing. That's too many. And to this day, people who have really, really annoying uh, voices are kind of said to have the voice of a corn crake, especially over in Europe. If you have an annoying voice, then you're a corn crake. Yeah, who do, I was going to throw in a name there, call somebody a corn crake. Do we know anybody with a really annoying voice? No, don't go there. I know you're going to say me. Don't you dare do it. <laughs> Think of someone else. <laughs> um, Maybe we should just move on. I have, I have someone, and their name is I don't have anyone. <laughs> <laughs> is that your way of saying mom? Dad. Anyway. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what they look like. Describe the bird to us. Uh, the gray to brownish, or bleh, gray to brownish black on top. They have a chestnut brown marks on wings, blue gray on underparts, and rust and white on the flanks and tail. Wow, so a fairly colorful bird. Is it a really really big bird as crakes go, or really really small? No, it's about medium size. It's mm. one point. It's one foot on half inch. Okay, and then what about the wings? Uh, the wingspan, an average like one and a half feet or so. You know, compared to the uh, bird that we did last week from the Azores Islands out of the Atlantic, that's actually kind of a short wingspan compared to the body size, isn't it? Interesting. Where does it like to live? Grassland and hayfields. Okay. Um, but it's a land bird. Mm -hmm. It makes hot 
Uh, it makes hollow in-ground leaves and grass for night for bleh, for nest eggs. Bleh, for nest eggs, a lot of rail birds like wetlands, but less so with the corn crakes. Okay, so a lot of birds from this family they like it a little bit moister, but not so much with these guys. They like those hay fields, which hay just sounds very very dry, doesn't it? Now, they've had a hard time counting these over the years, haven't they? They're very secretive. They're hard to count. Uh-huh. Why is that? Uh, because they migrate and other stuff, mostly at night. Yeah, they're sort of a nocturnal bird. That's part of how they stay safe. Mm-hmm. Do they need to eat? Uh, they probably need to stay safe from me because I would eat them. Nah. What sort of things do they eat? Uh, they eat uh, they eat earthworms, slugs, snails, and insects. All right. And what sort of things like to eat them? Cats, ferrets, otters, foxes. Um, and if nests are exposed from field mowing, larger birds eat the chicks. Ooh, that's what I want to do. I want to eat the chicks. The baby's got the tender meat. Nah. <laughs> I think my daughter is going to do violence on me. Now, um, I'll talk about a couple of the other threats that we researched, if I may. Um, I know when there have been reintroduction efforts over in Western Europe where this bird has become more rare, uh, they've had a lot of parasite issues. And then uh, also habitat loss, like with so many animals, that's really a big deal. Why are they losing their habitats? Oh, because grasslands are being turned into farmland. Yep. And the biggest European threat actually is also, even if they're not turning into farmland, those hay fields, Mm -hmm. they're getting mowed early and earlier in the season because uh, due to uh, uh, increased drainage practices, uh, fertilizers, it means farmers can do what? Uh, they, uh, they can make hay grow faster. That's right. That means that they can harvest it sooner, doesn't it? Yeah. And then they also, uh, they tend to, of course, it's natural. You would start at the edge of a field Mm -hmm. and then start to mow inwards toward the center. Well, guess where the birds like to have their nests? On the edge. On the edge. And so that means that once the mowing starts, the birds don't always have a lot of time to escape. And because they're hidden, uh, yeah, it gets a little bit messy. You get corn crake everywhere. Yeah, that's kind of gross, I know. Now, these are not truly endangered animals. What is their current um, uh, state of being in that regard? Um, They're like least concerned worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. So in uh, the further west you go in Europe, the harder they are to find comparatively. But in other parts of the world, they're actually doing a little bit better, aren't they? Mm-hmm. In 2010, were they doing better or worse? Uh, they were near threatened status. Okay, but they've done a little bit better since then. They've come back up. Yeah. And hopefully, as you help make people more and more aware of these animals, hopefully that it has a butterfly effect and people can uh, learn about these animals and learn that they need to be better uh, conservators of nature and maybe the corn crakes will uh, you know, do even better and better, thanks to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's our hope. Once there are enough of them, can I eat them? No. Uh, what if there were a million of them? No. No, they've got really annoying calls, and if I ate them, I wouldn't have to listen to them. But then they'd be inside of you and make your voice even more annoying, because it already is. All right. You know what I think people most want to hear next? What? Us do the theme song one more time before we go to the bonus matches. Yeah. Aminals, from around the world. Yeah. Bring forth... The bonus matches! 
And yes, for those of you who have always wondered, that absolutely is Person Noob on the gong. Pretty soon we're going to have her learning the uh, taiko drum. I think that's going to be awesome. A percussionist in the house. Ooh, I need to soundproof the basement. I suddenly realized how ugly this can be. All right, before we get into the bonus matches, first I would like to thank those of you who have helped us manifest this bonus content. How is that done? Well, you find me on Twitter. Soccer Noob USA is my handle there. Early each and every week, I put up polls with the candidate matches. You vote, and then this is the tasting result. The first one is a first versus last place match. We dramatically call the... Route, route, route route of 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 the week 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 and in an absolute route uh, there's a particular uh, english language luxembourg account that uh, i follow and i believe they follow our show and uh, they bring out an army of owners whenever a luxembourgian if i have the right demina match comes up they set a record this time for votes and uh, one in a landslide so Sunday out of that national division, which is, by the way, the 42nd ranked UEFA league. Now, that's not real high, but then again, this is basically a microstate. That's pretty darn good given the population where they have, I, I think, a fair bit, maybe over a half a million people in the whole country. We've got 18 or 20 just top flight teams alone. Anyway, only their winner does get to go to the Champions League. They have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round, and then they do send two more teams to the Europa Conference League first qualifying round. On the other end of things, two of the 16 there, I had overshot just a little bit, teams will get relegated at the end of the year. Two others will get a chance to fight for their top flight lives in what is called relegation playoff match. Your matchup, and in the news somewhat lately, number one, Swift has Barrage versus number 16, Etzeta. At Zella, rather, Edelbrook. At Zella, Edelbrook. That would be a good way to warm up for the show by saying, actually, probably both those. Let's take a look at the table. Swift, they lead number B, F91, uh, Dudelongs, by two in the table currently. Meanwhile, Edelbrook, they trail number 14, UN Karyang, 97 by six points. I almost said that they trailed them by 97 points. Uh, that would mean they faced one heck of a deduction for some reason or other. The series between these two, not surprisingly, it has been all swift the last couple, three seasons. Five, one and one is their record. And earlier the season when the two played swift, manhandled them on the road with a nil four finish. Uh, swift, they are a com that Hesperange, that is a commune and a town in the south central part of the country. Uh, not surprising where they're located because most of the league clubs are actually in the southern third of the nation. Uh, this area has a population of about uh, 3,000 in the town, but 15,000 in the commune. 2014-15 through the 2018-19 season, this was a team that was actually in the second division. And here they are getting ready to win a crown and uh, get back in international play. Really something. 2021-22, they played and lost in the Europa Conference League's first qualifying round. So obviously they're hoping to best that by starting in the Champions League. But what they have been in the news most for, along with a bunch of other teams, I have yet to really gauge how serious this is. I'm hoping to have somebody uh, from my friend's account there sometime on the show with us to tell us a little bit about it. But I know that there has been talk of some Belgium and uh, Dutch teams, the top ones from each of those two countries, breaking away and forming sort of a Benelux regional league, Benelux, Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. And it is Swift 
that have been the only team, or at least the only team I've heard of, that have been talking about expressing interest in trying to leave their own domestic league, and that is going to or has already led to a lawsuit about uh, monopolistic practices on the part of UEFA. So, you know, we'll track that as the months goes on. And uh, as things get closer to happening or getting shelved, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Last year in their league, they finished in fourth place. This year, they are number one in both offense and defense. And yeah, the scores have been uh, really, really uh, volatile. They've uh, they've been getting well over three goals per match, and they're the only team in the country that's not allowing a goal per match. Number one league score, I had to do a double take on the name because I just recently finished watching the, uh, the very mediocre, to be honest, uh, TV series that ended probably three or four years ago. Shooter starting Ryan Philippe. Well, they've got a player named Rayan, R A Y A N, Philippe, a uh, French player, 22 years old. 21 goals is a lot. I don't think Ryan Philippe, he might know how to you know, shoot a long rifle pretty good by now, but I don't think he could do that on a soccer field. Uh, This guy's got plenty of European experience, but most of that has come, or the majority anyway, uh, with the French club Dijon, and most of his appearances were with the B team. Team's current form, they just had an 18-match unbeaten streak snapped. Uh, Not the worst loss in the world for them. They were on the road at number four, Union, Titus, Batange, and lost one to two. And now your challengers, last place, Edzella Edelbrook. I still think it sounds like some little old lady that needs help crossing the street. As far as what Edzella means, as far as I know, it could be a little old lady that needs to cross the street. I looked and looked and could not find the meaning for that. Edelbrook, a little bit easier. That is the town out of which they play. It's in the northeast central part of the country, about 9,000 people. I've got a USA connection there. For those who are history buffs, you may know that the George S. Patton Museum is there. Also, uh, regionally, it's more noted for having the big medical center of the country. We're always looking for reasons to, if, if not necessarily root for, but just say, what on earth sort of proof do we have? What light can we look at to say, maybe this team has a shot? Well, Edelbrook didn't used to always be this troubled. Twice, I believe both times in the early 2000s, I know the last time was uh, 06, they have finished runners-up in this league. And in fact, they've made six appearances in what is now the Europa League, but they haven't earned any points, no wins, no draws. They do have at least one major trophy in their cupboard. They won the FA Cup back in 2000-2001. So nothing real recent, but you got to take what you can get when you're in the roadkill match. Last year, you would have been more likely to find them in our second bonus match we'll get to shortly as they finished in 10th place. This year, uh, they won't be climbing up to 10th place. Uh, Worst offense, worst defense. They're only getting about two-thirds of a goal per match on average. In fact, the team leading scorer on the year only has four. That is Lucas Ferreira. Figueredo. There we go. I've got plenty of time in his career to learn how to say his name a little bit more smoothly as he is just 19 years old. Team's current form, not surprisingly, they've lost six straight and unfortunately for them, scoreless in their last three. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yes, we are not purely here to poke fun, but mostly to celebrate and serenade teams that are smack dab in the middle of their tables, more or less equidistant from the glory that would be getting to go to an international tournament or just the solid fear 
that can come to grip you if you are in the relegation zone in your league. Nay, these teams that are playing on Sunday from Liga Portugal don't have to worry about that at all. The league is the number seven ranked league in all of Europe. They still get three teams into the Champions League, a couple more into the Europa Conference League. Two of the 18 teams will be automatically relegated. A third one might, but number 11, Real Ave, number 10, Gil Vicente, they get to comparatively sit back, relax, and just not worry about any of that. Enjoy that nice Portuguese laid-back lifestyle. Let's look at the table. Gil Vicente, they currently lead Rio Ave by two, and they trail number five. That represents the last international birth slot of any kind. Vitoria de Guimarães by 11. Rio Ave, they lead number 17, Santa Clara, by 12. So like I said, they're, they're safe from any kind of high drama, really. Series between these two has been pretty darn even as well. Ave with a slight advantage, 7-6-6 in recent seasons. Gil Vicente only managed a draw earlier this season when they hosted. That match went to 2-2. That's a lot of twos. Rio Ave, they play out of the city of uh, Vila do Conde. They are named, as you would imagine, by the name by a nearby river. Now, it's in the northwest part of the country and essentially part of the greater Porto area, at the very least part of the Porto conurbation. About 80,000 people here in this really and somewhat newly sort of beachy touristy area. I mean, it's always been near the beach, but economically it's really being uh, pushed both tourist-wise and residentially as a, uh, a beach-centric area now. Your most meaningless fact, as is our tradition, in this area is where you will find the second longest aqueduct in the country. It was built in the 1700s. Uh, it's about four kilometers long. And uh, the spring that it services, gets the waters from, is from Povia de Varzim. And uh, it goes all the way to a monastery down in Santa Clara. And it has a not quite round number, 999 arches. Do with that information what you will. Most meaningless match gets the most meaningless fact. Back to the footy. Three times this team has finished as high as fifth place here in the top flight. Last time was 2019-2020. So it's not inconceivable that someday they might flirt with international play again, just not this year. They've been to the Europa League four different times. The first time was 2014-15. They make the group stage, and that was the best they have ever done. The FA Cup has been a little bit better for them. Twice they have finished runners-up, most recently 2013-14. Last year, they weren't even in this league. They were actually, uh, they got promoted by finishing in second place. I don't know if they had to win a promotion playoff or got automatically promoted, but hey, pretty good that they're up this high in the table for a meaningless match instead of being in our next bonus match. If, if you're new, don't worry, that'll become clear momentarily what I mean by that. They had been in Division I for 13 straight seasons before getting relegated the year before last. And then prior to that stretch, historically, they'd always really been a yo-yo team. This year, the defense a little bit better than average. The offense a little bit worse than average. They are who they are. Most meaningless player, most average player for them statistically amongst their starters anyway, is the singularly named Jonathan from Brazil. He plays goalkeeper. He is tied as seventh best in the league with eight clean sheets, Third best in save percentage, 75. I have a feeling he's facing a lot of shots, though. And he is tied for second best in the league in goals prevented. Not too shabby. But 
barely in the top 10 in goals prevented. So it sounds like he's got some work to do on kind of shaping and helping out the defenses in front of him. Team's current form 2-0-2 in their last four with a very appropriate three against three goal differential. And now Gil Vicente playing out of the city of Barcelos, which is in the northwest part of the country in the Braga district, about 125,000 people there. They are known as the followers of Gil, which... I can't tell if that sounds dramatic or the name of a really bad stoner movie or something, but they're also known as the Roosters. So we've got our second rooster. This time it's pluralized, though, of the show. Gil Vicente, if you're wondering about the name, by the way, they are named for a famous playwright who uh, was active around the turn of the 16th century. And the club were... uh, When the club was founded, they decided to name themselves after him because their field or their practice field where they played was right next to the theater that was named for him. So I think that's pretty, as an old liberal arts major, I enjoy that. Your most meaningless fact, yeah, that wasn't it, believe it or not. Um, He probably wasn't born here, that Gil Vicente guy. So go figure. Rather, he was actually born probably in Guamares. Nobody's really, really sure, but it's based on his writing and the fact that there's a lot of references to goldsmithing and uh, jewelry work in uh, some of his writings. And Guamares was far more famous than that. He might even be from Lisbon. This is another yo-yo team, by the way, but they've been in the top flight for the last three seasons. So congratulations on being meaningless in status. It means you're not dropping back down to D2. Last year, in fact, They finished in fifth place, and that's tied for the best they have ever done. They played in their first ever European competition, uh, the Europa Conference League. They got to uh, made it all the way to the playoff round. This year, uh, it's another team that the stats are really not much to talk about. Eighth best offense, ninth best defense. They are who they are. Their most meaningless player, Giorgi. Aburgiania, or Aburgiania probably, from the Republic of Georgia, plays defensive midfielder for them. His passing accuracy is good, but just sort of okay for a centrally positioned player. Um, Being defensively oriented, this guy isn't contributing much on offense, just one assist. Decent dribbler, but he's not having to try a whole lot. And really looking at his defensive stats, interceptions, clearances, not a lot to talk about there. So, you know, he's got some work to do, but he's not the one who's really bringing the team down either. Longest stint of his career before he came over here was probably for a North Osis between 2014 and 2016 over in Cyprus. Team's current form 3-2-0 in the last five. So things have been uh, coming up. Gil Vicente of late, a pretty shiny 7-3 and goal differential. And now we reach the deep, dark end of the road here for the show. The third bonus match, but perhaps more appropriately, the 13th match of the show. Because this is the match of... Disappointed! And the one that you have voted for is a Saturday match where the top, or not top, oh my goodness, the last place two teams from some league in the world are going to be facing off. Goodness only knows why. We're going to take a gander at the Premier League of Mongolia, of all places. Yeah, number 39 rated of the 47 leagues in Asia. They're about halfway through a somewhat short season. They play a double round robin, so a total of 18 matches in the 10-team league for everybody. The winner does not get to go to the Champions League. They do it a little differently in Asia. The champion will get to go to the secondary tournament AFC Cup, which is largely designed for teams, countries like this, that are nearer to the bottom of the continental coefficients. On the more relevant part of 
the table. Uh, one team is going to get relegated. Yes, there actually is a second division, at least in Mongolia. And then one team will play a second division team and try to stay up in a relegation playoff match at the end of the year. Your matchup, number 10, Kangarid versus number nine, Ulaanbaatar City. Ulaanbaatar City currently lead Kangarid by three. They trail the club simply called Lions by one. So Kangarid are in, are in a fair bit of trouble. Ulaanbaatar City, I think they might have what it takes to climb out of the relegation zone. But we'll take a closer look at them momentarily. Part of the reason I believe that is because they're probably going to get three points today. When they played at their place earlier this season, they dropped the Hammer on Kangaroo winning 8-1. to one. Could have been a route of the week candidate, perhaps. Uh, we'll talk about Kangaroo first. Uh, founded in 1996, they've got such a cool crest. And I love seeing these. It's one of a few Asian clubs that highlights a figure called the Garuda, which is basically the mount of the god Vishnu in mythology. Kind of a fat little uh, birdman looking guy. He's cute. He's funny looking, kind of Danny DeVito-esque. Maybe Danny DeVito should take up Hinduism just for that reason, or Buddhism, whichever one it was that I said. They play out of the city of Erdenet. It's not only the match that's disappointing once in a while. Sometimes it's the host. The town is in the north-central part of the country, about 100,000 people there, maybe about four hours' drive northwest of the capital city of Ulaanbaatar, most famous for its copper mine. They've got the number four sized one in the entire world there. It was discovered back in the 1950s and was worked almost exclusively by Russians. I think it's a little less active now, but not completely shut down. And the Russians have long since gone away. And just for fun, we do have a USA connection. They are actually twinned, have some sort of relationship with Fairbanks, Alaska, because, you know, why wouldn't you want to be twinned with Fairbanks, Alaska? Yeah, you could probably come up with some reasons. Four league titles. They've actually won between 2001 and 2010. Oh, that must seem like 100 years ago now that they're this bad. Last year, they nearly had to fight for their lives to stay up. They finished in eighth place. This year, they have not earned a single point. No wins, no draws. Uh, They've got the worst offense in the league. They're getting a goal per match. Uh, The worst defense in the league, and believe it or not, by only about 30 or 40%. They give up an average of seven goals per match. No, it's not a typo in my notes. That number has been going down because in their last 10 matches, they have lost by scores of 10-0 on both, one home, one away. Prior to that, they'd actually scored in all their previous matches, believe it or not, but usually just the one goal. And now Ulaanbaatar City, an even younger club founded in 2016, 2019, they actually won the league title. So this is a team that's fallen a long ways in a short time. They would have gotten to play in the AFC Cup, their only international uh, tournament berth ever. But that particular year, it was canceled because of COVID. Last year, they finished in third place. Uh, This year, they've got three wins, not terrible, but no draws. That's really what's hurting them. Uh, Also, They've been penalized some points. I looked and looked and couldn't find out exactly why. Usually in cases like this, it's either an ineligible player or something to do with finances, not paying people. They would actually be in fifth place if they happen to have all those points restored, but it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Uh, The offense has been, uh, this is a high scoring league. They're only number six, and yet they're almost getting three goals per match. The, The defense is one of the bottom three in the league, though. Team's current form, they have lost four straight, 
probably happened right after they got penalized for something. And they have given up a walloping 21 goals over those four matches. And now, rather than wish these teams good luck, because they both desperately need it, we will begin the end of our show instead by shooing them away and heckling them in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Take them away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that's a wrap on episode 126 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring me, Person Noob. Person Noob. So I would uh, like to thank all the same people that we thank so many times. You, person new, first of all, kisses for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you being part of the show. Yeah. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management. No kisses for you because that would be weird. But we appreciate all of your editing and production wizardry. Thank you to Dan the Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations continue to be on Fire. Also, thank you to my dad. I'm sure you can guess which character on the show that he was. Uh, not person new. That was no. Grandpa Dave did not play you, did he? No. No, he did something else. And thank you very much to you for finding and listening to the show. We've really endeavored to create something uh, different for better or for worse here. Hey, if you made it to the end, it means you might have enjoyed it. And if so, we hope that you will pass us on to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. Soccer noob. Soccer noob. Soccer noob. I have a message for you. Soccer noob, soccer noob, I am stealing your show. Yay, I am stealing your show. It's gonna be person noob, rockin' America. Because you rock other places that are not America, and that is sad. So I'm taking over your stinky show. Just kidding, it's not stinky, because I'm in it. <laughs>